0: Hello, my friend, and welcome to Something for Everybody. The podcast helps those who listen feel more loved and connected through story sharing. My name is Aaron Mashbitz, and my mission is to help you realize your potential and capabilities through conversations and deep insights, so you can make your prior best your new baseline. Sam Pack returns to the podcast, and we explore some very thought-provoking questions around failure and change and investment and books And it's a very, very insightful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. And in other news, this podcast is brought to you by Amare. Amare is the mental wellness company, and I use their products every single day. So click the link in the show notes, scroll through all their products, see which ones might work best for you and your wellness needs. Then at checkout, use code EVERYBODY for $10 off your entire order. Now on to episode 198 of Something for Everybody. Hello and welcome to another episode of Something For Everybody. My name is Aaron Mashbitz. Sam, welcome to the show. Nice to be back. Nice to be back. You and Joel Sands are record-setting uh, guests on this pod. Each of you has four solo episodes. So we have to do another one quickly, because I hate ties, <laughs> what you're saying. <laughs> Joel's, just, Joel's episode just came out. Yours will come out uh, a few weeks after his. So yeah, you guys are tied. For first place. As the most reoccurring guests on this podcast. Enjoy the record while it lasts, Joel. Coming for you. Coming for you. And if you want to listen to those previous episodes with Joel or Sam's previous episodes, you just go to everybodyspod.com and put Sam Pack in the search bar and all of those episodes will come up. The previous three episodes I did with Sam were under the Jackson Talks Everybody uh, title banner. Yeah. Yeah. Now we've switched. Um, I'm using my real name now, Sam. Perfect. <laughs> it was just stressful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, this is a, your first official episode under Something for Everybody, which is pretty cool. And you've been a very popular guest. I'm, I'm happy to hear that. People uh, people have really enjoyed your wisdom. I don't know if it, we can call it that, but I'm glad people enjoyed listening. I think you have wisdom. You You have a lot of life experience doing a lot of different things. And you're someone who thinks a lot about how he thinks, yeah. which in turn can sometimes be a little too much for you. Yeah. But also turns out to be a pretty, um, yeah, it gives you good insight. Cause a lot of people think the same way. Like we're, we're, all, we're not all that different. We all sometimes live in our own heads. Yeah,
1: we, we definitely all think similarly. I, as Aaron alluded to, maybe take it to the extreme at times, but at least I'm, I'm doing it. And, yeah, I think I have pieced some things together in my own life that are applicable to,
0: to others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, before we get into some of these questions stolen from Tim Ferriss, if you're a regular listener, you know I love Tim Ferriss. First question is, though, Sam, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing good. This is uh I've had a nice long break which I desperately needed. So, got to catch my breath a little bit before I get to go back and start on some new stuff. Are you excited about the new stuff? I am. It's a It's it's going to be interesting because I mean as you as you well know like haven't really spent the same much time in the same place for very long. Right. And we're just continuing that trend. So for the last, I mean, since I turned 18, haven't really spent more than two years at one single place. And we're just keeping it going for
0: year 12, 13. Yeah, that's true. I I guess I only thought about you in like your adult life. Yeah. But you went to junior college. Yeah. That was two years. Then you went to South Dakota State. That was two years <laughs> and then you played pro ball that was like wherever the fuck you were yeah and then you coached and then you worked for the dodgers and then you now working with your current job yeah that took took me to both coasts all over the place interesting do you yeah i mean i know we've talked about this like off camera but you're you're feeling like you want a sense of stability at some point in your life yeah at, at some point like just as much as
1: like bouncing around and traveling is good for like doing different things like at a certain point you want to be like okay like this one place is home yeah instead of feeling you know transient everywhere you go <laughs> where you're just hey i know i'm going to be here for a little bit so we'll we'll have fun but like
0: the next thing is coming mm. yeah it's harder to build those relationships definitely very much so. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, are you ready for these questions? Let's do it. <clears throat> what is the book or books you've given most as a gift and why or what are the or what are one to three books that have greatly influenced your life?
1: The book that I've given as a gift the most often is Never Split the Difference. It it is written by like a former FBI hostage negotiator. Is that Chris Voss? Yes. And it's just about like negotiating, which I mean everything you do is some sort of negotiation, even if it's like a, a discussion with your significant other about taking out the trash. Like, yeah. It can become a negotiation. And just knowing how to, because in their line of work you have to keep that that dialogue very calm everything has to be from a place of calm so that you and the other person can both feel like they're not being attacked. And I've given it to my parents to kind of try to help them discuss things more. Mm -hmm. And I've definitely read it. I've definitely recommended it to a lot of people. Uh, It just helps you deal with people because you're going to run into all different kind of personality types, even, I mean, throughout work people that you have to work for, people who have to work for you, people who you have to work with who are on equal footing and just knowing how to approach some of those conversations to make sure that you and them both get like a mutually beneficial experience or the work gets done the right way in an expeditious manner and yeah,
0: I think I think that one is, is definitely the one I've given the most. Yeah, we talked about it because I listened to him on um... On Jocko's podcast, and then you told me you were listening to his book or reading his book. What's is there one specific takeaway that you got from the book that was more powerful than anything else? Hmm. Something I think I kind of did
1: subconsciously at times when talking to people. As you know, not a huge fan of talking about myself, especially early on in like meeting people and things like that but just the the idea of just mirroring things back to each mm. other to to the person to get them to continue to I was doing it so I didn't have to talk about myself but it is also a great way to like continue to pull out information from people about what maybe they really want because we as as humans we understand perfectly what we are trying to say but sometimes we don't convey it in a very clear manner and especially in the work that I've been able to do, like I may tell somebody to go do something and then that, that is what guides them for the next like week. Mm. So being able to be completely clear when I'm speaking and also when somebody's speaking to me, being able to draw the thread on is that really what you're asking me to do or is it more like this? and just getting them to continue to reveal information so that I can better do what they need me to do.
0: Mm. Yeah, super important.
1: Um, Is that in your top three books you've ever read? That is in my top three, yeah. And that that list will wax and wane, but as it stands right now. Sure. And then the other big one we've talked about that I've also talked a lot about with other people and we've talked about on this podcast before is thinking fast and slow. Mm -hmm. Because it just... It gives you a much it kind of pulls the curtain back on what you think your brain is actually doing in the background, which I found very helpful and very informative. Sweet, yeah i,
0: I it's funny when I looked at this question, I always have a tough time with this question, because I just can't ever remember all of the the books that I've read. <laughs> I only remember like the most recent ones that had an impact on me, but uh, you can go to my website, everybody'spod.com, And there's a list of books that I found really great and they're on there and they're free and you can look at them and you can go purchase them if they, f- if you feel so inclined. But the two books most recently, that had a really strong impact on me were essentialism by Greg McKeown. Basically the idea of the book is do less, but do less better. Great, so stop taking on so many tasks, being able to say no, find what's really in alignment with you. So do less things, but do the things that you're actually doing as best you possibly can, not doing a lot of things like a little good, basically. Yeah. And then the other one was uh, Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. And my best takeaway from that is like, you know, he talks about the story of feeding two wolves, the, the fear wolf or the courage wolf. And you have to make a decision to feed your courage wolf because everyone feels fear and that's going to happen. But your ability to move past that and still feed your courage wolf will allow you to become more brave, not less scared. And I think that distinction is very important also.
1: I think those two kind of feed on each other because I've noticed, at least for myself, like everybody gets overwhelmed at work at a certain point. Like, You get too many things that you have to get done in like an unreasonable amount of time and at first you're going to feel the anxiety of of, it's going to feel daunting like there's so much to do Mm -hmm. but then breaking it down to smaller chunks allows you to be like okay i can just focus on this one thing don't think about anything that's beyond that just do this and then once i'm done with that one I'll go to the next thing. So, breaking it down, essentialism of it, mm-hmm. the one thing at a time, and right. also being, it gives you a lot more power. So, it eliminates the anxiety. So, I guess it'd be pulling the feeding of this wolf back over to this side. Yeah. Because you're just focusing on the one task.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You, you, I mean, you want to make a basically a list of what's most important now. Like, what do I have to get done? And then you just chip away at that list. But if you think about, okay, I'm going to do, what's most important now, top three all at once, you're really not giving your best energy to the thing that is most important. So you want to be able to do that thing, follow it all the way through, finish it, complete it, then move on to task number two, task number three, not trying to task switch or multitask, but follow something through. Uh, And maybe you don't get everything done on your list that day, but the things you did get done were done at an excellently high level rather than like at a mediocre level where you have to, do it again. Like my dad always told me in high school because I wasn't very good at math and I didn't want to do it. He's like, if you do it right the first time, you don't have to do it three or four more times. Yeah. So instead of rushing through it to try to just get it done, think about it. Like what's happening here? What's the equation? What's the end goal? Like follow through on the one problem. So then maybe you understand that. Yeah, maybe you still have two or three more to go, but at least you understand this one at a really high level. And that's better for you than not understanding. Any of them are having this loose level of uh, knowledge of the three of them. Yeah. So more uh, fatherly advice from Oh, Mark. From Mark Mathis. Good old Mark. Always dropping pearls. um, Yeah, I don't know if I've ever gifted a book before. I think I should start. But I just tell people to go to my list. And then like those are the books that I think are great. I think giving a book is...
1: Is interesting in this kind of day and age, especially if it's unprompted. And the only time I feel justified in doing it is if the person has conveyed to me that there's like this thing that they would like to be better at. Mm.
0: And
1: then it's like, well, do I have a deal for you? <laughs> because otherwise, like, I feel like reading, especially for younger people, folks until they kind of get up into our age isn't always the highest priority so it can be like here's this thing you should maybe keep it yeah (laughs) and read it if you have time if you have time um but i think enough of us and us being like our age group and enough of our friends like appreciate what can be gained from, from reading things like that, and if it is in that sort of situation where they are wanting to get better at something, it, is, it could be
0: a very personal thing.: yeah. yeah, I agree with that for sure.: Next question is, what purchase of a100 dollars or less has most positively impacted your life in the last six months? Whoa. Well, well, this is, was a little more than 100 dollars for me, but it was 150 dollars. And it was my cold plunge. So uh, that has been really uh, impactful. Because like for the first half of this year, I was just doing cold showers. And then like six months in, I was like, oh, this doesn't feel like anything anymore. Like it's not cold. Yeah, feels fine. I need to upgrade my game. So I bought this cold cold tub. And me and my fiance use it two to three times a week. We used it a couple days ago. Um, I like it. I can, I can do my meditation while I'm in there. It's good for recovery. It's just something to do. That's hard. We usually, I usually do it after a sauna so I can get the hot and cold temperature stuff in there. Uh, yeah. So that's been a, uh, positive impact on my life. This one
1: is difficult. What was the time horizon? I have to work with here? last six
0: months, but you can expand that and you can expand the dollar amount just like I did.
1: Well I I bought I bought one thing for myself. It was way more than a hundred dollars. So i are gonna just gloss on past that one. Um Honestly, it would probably this is a terrible answer and it's gonna sound like very catering to you, but <laughs> I I Once I got back, I got a gym membership, yeah, like down the street. Because previously, like, I had like worked out in my apartment's gym, which was fine, like was serviceable. You went in there, yeah. Um, You had a pull-up bar, yeah. There was there was enough stuff. There's like Smith machine thing like that. The new place that I moved into is much smaller, and you could get a okay workout in there, but nothing, nothing that would be good for long term so i was like you know what there's another there's a gym right down the street we'll just go we'll go buy that great get me out of the
0: and i feel like buying it like really forces me to go more yeah you have some stake in the game yeah some monetary stake in the game yeah i think that's a massive positive positive impact on your life gym membership let's go Oh, this is a good one. How has failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours?
1: I, feel, I mean, we, we grew up playing baseball. Like Failure was not something that was uncommon to us. So I don't think we... I don't think we view things as failure the same way most people would. Mm -hmm. I think we view them as like obstacles and a chance to adapt the approach. Mm -hmm. God, that was a baseball reference. Um, That's true though. Yeah, I, I just don't, I don't see it the same way I think a lot of people do that didn't have the same experience as we did because it was so common. Like it was a thing that you either, I mean, and you, we all saw it in like high school, the guys who could not accept it. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, (laughs) like you picked the wrong sport. if You can't accept even a dose of failure. Right. Cause you could hit 800 and be the greatest player of all time, but you're still going to not do great. A couple of those times. Two of those times. And if you can't even accept those, you got a problem. And the thing that I used to tell my players when I coach is like a strike, even a strikeout is not necessarily failure. If you learn something in that at bat and then you go up the next time facing the same guy. And because of what you learned, you get the game winning hit. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just come in bombing your helmet and the only thing you think of is I should have crushed that pitch and take nothing away from the at bat other than that. And then you go up and punch out again Yeah, then you failed. Right. Yeah, you failed completely twice. Um, A favorite failure.
0: Yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if I have one. Yeah.
1: I know this is not a failure of my on my part. But I, I believe it was like a strategic failure for the organization that I worked with. Um, It was when I was working for the Dodgers and my boss had told me like we were, they were trying to get me on full time. Like, Hey, we're making enough money that if the organization reinvests the money into the things that we're doing Mm -hmm. as they should be, because we were bringing in a lot of money. Um, Getting you a full time spot spot's not gonna be a problem. That didn't happen. That money did not get reinvested into those projects. I I didn't know I don't know the books, but it in my head logically didn't make any sense. Yeah. And because of that, organizational failure, I would say, I got steered over to the things that I'm doing now. Mm. And huge moment, because I would have stayed. Hundred percent I would have stayed working with them. And to, to look back and th- think about it, like now I now I've done all these things, I've met all these people, I've got to do some cool stuff, get to travel. Like what? How how much would I have not known? What I know now is it, I'm trying to tie this in somehow at the end. But like I mean, what, I I, what all the what things about. I would have missed out on, right? If somebody would have done what made, at least in my mind, again, I didn't see the books, monetary sense at the time.
0: It was exactly what needed to happen. Yeah, I guess. I, um, <clears throat> I've i had sort of a uh, a renewed look at failure. I don't use that word anymore. But I did learn a lot about it from baseball. So anytime there was anything that went wrong, I feel like I just like, was like, all right. <laughs> like that's seriously how I took it. Now, in high school, uh and a little bit in college, it wasn't always that way. I had to learn about it. Like I had to just keep doing it over and over again. I had to go over four, I had to sit the bench, you know, I had to uh fucking make the error, I had the bad throw, whatever. And then over and over it happens, you're like, There's always a the next pitch. There's always a the next pitch, there's always a the next game. Okay, how can we keep moving forward? How can we learn? How can we get better? So that stuff, like I mean, it changed the whole fabric of my life. If I had never played baseball, I would have never went into the trenches with wrestling and, yeah. you know, slept in my car and ate ramen out of a gas station microwave to try and make the thing after a bad show or getting zero dollars or no one showing up or whatever the case may be. Same thing with this podcast. Like, this is, I don't know, close to episode 200 or whatever it is, right? Like, nobody listened to it the first 160 (laughs) episodes or whatever, except my, my friends and my mom who said, yeah, it's cool. It's nice. It's a good podcast. (laughs) But I don't know. Like, but you just keep going because you like having these conversations or, or you enjoy learning about the things that you're trying to talk about on the podcast. But like, if I, if like, so I didn't view any of that as a failure. I just viewed it as part of the deal of like being a person who's trying to do something great. And so now, I have this definition of failure which is the refusal to move forward so if you have something happen in your life relate related to baseball say you strike out in the first inning and you grab all of your shit, and you go to your car and you drive home failure <laughs> yeah 100 that's a refusal to move forward you just gave up on the spot but like you said sam if i strike out in the first inning and then i talk to my coach i talk to my other teammates i think about what i saw the approach, the pitch selection, the pitch sequence, why I swung at this pitch and then I get up the next time and I hit a baseball hard, great, not a failure, just a mistake, right? And so you just, you, you reflected on it, you decided, okay, I can do something about it and then you move forward. Like even if you have a business and you put it together and it totally crumbles, but you decide to, you know, after like letting it sit in and regroup and trying to figure out your finances and how you can figure out what you need to do for your family, but you didn't just, like literally quit everything at all the You just like, okay, how can I regroup? There's some things I need to change. I still wanna do this path, but I need to add this and this person so this thing doesn't happen again. That's not a failure and you're still moving forward. At least that's helpful for me in, in looking at it and I'm like the young athletes that I work with, if we can get them to remove this idea of failure because then we don't call ourselves a failure and we're not failing, then we're willing to put in the work more often even when things don't go our way and then we have less entitlement and we we'll always understand that the thing that I got is because I earned it yeah not because someone handed it to me or my mom like gave the coach a hundred bucks after practice or whatever it is and then I learned later in life that okay when I graduate college and I apply for 16 jobs and I get zero of them fuck that sucks like I have shit to pay for and I'm on my own now like not a failure I still okay what can I change about my resume do I need to sharpen up my, uh, way I communicate or how I answer questions. Like what is the the process to continue moving forward? And then the next job you fucking crush it and you get it one out of 17. That's all you need. You only need one. Yeah. And so that's how I started to look at it. So my, my favorite failure is me evaluating my whole life and how I looked at the word failure and how I can change that moving forward to have a better grasp on it. And, and I think it's also important that when you look at failure, like when you quit something and when you need to grit something out, like quitting something not, it does not mean failure. Like if I'm in a bad spot or a bad job or a bad relationship and I decide to quit, that's actually the best thing I can do for my health. So that's not a failure either. And then there's also times when you're like, this sucks right now. This fucking <laughs> sucks. But there's like this little intuition in the back of your head that if I wait like six more weeks, like it's gonna pan out, and then you have to grit it out. You have to, because you're at that point where it's like it feels like nothing is happening, but then there's that graph that's like everything happens, yeah. and you gotta grit it out. And so there's there's distinctions to be made with those two things, but also how you look at this idea of of failure, which I think is quite cool. Yeah, yeah. Walking
1: away from something that doesn't serve you is not is not the same as quitting. It's just saying I don't want that for myself anymore it's not pushing me forward so yeah definitely very distinct things when you need to drop them and when you need to push
0: through yeah you need to just have a little more umph right there because yeah. you're almost there <clears throat> uh <laughs> this question uh <laughs> is one that if you listen to the podcast at all you've heard me ask this question to almost every guest um so if you have a gigantic billboard. And put anything on it. What would it be? So I told you I
1: went through, I went on a something for everybody rampage there for a while, and I kept, I kept hearing you ask this question, and I it really internalized it, and was trying to figure it out. And I'm going to say what it will be, and then I wanted to know. You may know it off the rip, where I got it from. But I kind of hope not because it's going to sound a little bit more campy if you do. Uh, what I would have on the billboard is, enjoy yourself. It's later than you think.
0: Mm. Enjoy yourself. You're talking about like the 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 length of your life. Yeah. Mm. I don't know where you got that from. Okay. It's from a Ryan
1: Reynolds movie. (laughs) It's from a Ryan Reynolds movie? Which one? The Adam Project.
0: Oh, that was a pretty good
1: movie. Yeah. And I was in the series of time when I was listening to these podcasts, I just happened to like throw it on. I needed something to watch before I went to bed and it popped up. I was like,
0: that's, if you really think about it, it's very deep. Yeah. I mean, it's talking about how you should be in the moment because your life is could end tomorrow. Could end at any moment. Yeah. 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 I love that. Thank you. <clears throat> I yeah. didn't. I didn't write it. I stole it. But well, and also part of the question is, you know, throw throw your favorite quote up there, whatever. My my billboard would be two sides. One would be you are loved for sure, and the other would be um, something that I just have thought about a lot recently is is uh, to keep showing up. Yeah, it's like I don't know. Effort and always showing up, I think, are the two most important values you can have. Yeah, showing up's after the battle. Like, nothing will ever change or get better or be adjusted or fixed if you don't at least, like, get into the arena. Yeah. Or if you're not at least playing the fucking game. Yeah. And that goes, it goes, falls in line exactly with what you're saying. Like, the game could end yep. tomorrow. Not that that's like a looming, like ominous black cloud where the music is playing in the background. It's like, this is the only, this is the only life you got, man. There's no dress rehearsal. Uh, There's no rerun. This is, this is it. This is the live run. You're, you're going (laughs) and uh, you got to show up for it. Even when it really fucking sucks and it's hard and you don't have a lot of energy left in the tank, but give it what you got yeah um and that's what i try to pass on to my young players that i'm coaching they don't fully grasp it at this young age because it's hard to i mean we didn't i mean i for sure didn't because i was like i got my whole life to live and everything's great and my parents make my food and they do my laundry and they drive me to practice and all i have to do is like sort of play and I'll just mess around. Like, so it's hard to like express sort of the, the gravity of the situation, like how awesome it is to get to play baseball and when that will end, because it will end. It ends for everyone. Yep. Even ends for Adam Wainwright, who's 40 years old and playing baseball for his whole life. It ends for him at some point too. Um, so how can we, how can we get people to realize that the effort you give and, and just at least showing up, uh, will get you farther than majority of people who decide to do that. And it falls in line with, you know, the idea of failure and picking yourself back up and how you move forward and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. I think Adam Wainwright
1: is a good, a kind of a good analogy to use because like nobody makes it to the big leagues on talent alone. Like you can't, this game is baseball is too hard. Yeah. Everyone's got talent. you, if you don't show up and actually put in the work, you're going to get exposed because you have a hole in your game somewhere. And the second that gets on a scouting report, like it's going to get picked apart. So you have to, you got to show up and do the work to, to fill in that, that gap or make yourself better where it's, it's not going to expose you as much. Mm -hmm. And especially with pitchers, like they have to recreate themselves all the time, especially as they get older. Because, like, the velo gets down, and now you got to be a touch and feel guy. How many power arms are still power arms after
0: 15 years, aside from Nolan Ryan? <laughs> that guy's a freak. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, watching Wayne and Kershaw do that. Yeah. Because both of those guys have some of the best curveballs that have ever existed in the game of baseball. Both of them were throwing – like, Wayne was a closer when he first started. So he was throwing hard – kershaw was throwing hard too and now 20 years into their career they're still getting the best hitters in baseball out i mean Wayne wainwright threw a fastball at like 84 miles an hour yeah i faced that last night in my men's league game <laughs> it didn't really but you get my point you know so still with good breaking ball but how can he move his stuff in and out how can he paint corners change speeds change the timing of his feet like all of that stuff it's, it's unbelievable to watch yeah and that's how you win 200 games i guess
1: yeah, I think I think that's a good analogy for for your players because they'll understand the baseball aspect of it. But for like just regular everyday people, just being willing to to make those little adjustments, like some of them are gonna be painful. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know how many bullpens you got to sit in on, but there were some days where we spent the whole bullpen trying to figure out a pitch, thirty forty pitch bullpen. It's like, all right, we're gonna warm up with a couple fastballs, and then we're throwing a lot of sliders until we figure this thing
0: Just, out so you get
1: feel and placement and all that yeah and watching is, you want to talk you want to talk about taking a while like hang them hang them cut it too hard and then slowly you'll watch it slowly pull back towards where you're wanting it to be located and then they get it once and I'm like oh that one felt good and but you're, you're not done you did it once right can you do it again you got to repeat hmm
0: Next question. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments you've ever made? Could be an investment of money, time, energy, et cetera. I know mine. Let's go with yours.
1: Getting into the gym. I had a a feeling that's where you're going to go. And that's where my head went
0: to and I didn't want to copy you. There's there's no greater investment that I've ever made in myself than getting into the gym when I was 14 years old. Not a, not a chance, changed my entire life from starting to want to work out because I was getting bullied to building self-confidence in the gym, to, uh, becoming, falling in love with it, to it creating, uh, a better baseball player for me because I got stronger and then tweaking that stuff when I got to college to, you know, work more into being a better baseball player. Than having that be a part of my life as a professional wrestler, then now having it be a part of my life because I enjoy it. It makes me feel good. makes me healthy. I have a connection with my fiance because of it. Um, and it creates, the, it's going to hopefully creates longevity in my life so I can feel good for a longer amount of time. So when I'm 70 and 80, I can still move and do things. And if I have grandkids running around, maybe that's something that we can do still. Or, you know, so it's like the, and then it branches off into so many other things. Like it's the reason I got wanted to do the sauna, and the reason I wanted to do a cold tub, and I want to do jujitsu, and want to do fitness competitions. Um, so it just branches out into so many different things to help me stay competitive, to help me stay, um, you know, in tune with my body and my mental health. Yeah, it's like the like the number one thing that I can think of, and and everyone can do it. Everyone can have a movement pattern, an exercise routine. Uh, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be lifting weights in the gym, but I mean, there's only two things that can help you live longer, and that's being as strong as humanly possible in your VO2 max. So you might want to lift some weights, but totally up to you. Um, but you have to move your body, and there's no greater investment that I've ever made.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to think of one that isn't the gym or like some sort of cardio routine. Because, like, I wanted to come up with something that was, like, my investment in, like, knowledge and stuff like that. But I think the biggest bang for the buck was was the gym because just being able to turn off the brain for a little bit and, and allow some of the frustrations or whatever it may be to vent itself out naturally, and it makes you feel better. mm mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard for me to think of anything that is, has been more worthwhile and good for me, not just in the fact that like you're physically making yourself stronger. Right. I think it has been a huge benefit to my mental clarity and the ability to just set things down for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Sometimes just coming back to those problems later solves them uh, because you're not as attached and you're not in it anymore. So yeah the gym is a hard one to argue against.
0: I mean I would say if you if you boil it down a little bit, you could just say investing in yourself yeah, but that, that would be the best like yeah. whether it's like reading books or taking courses or um, new experiences or meeting new people or investing in the gym like all of that stuff is an investment in yourself and that return on the investment is is always there like no matter what. Yeah, I agree. I thought of something else too. Okay.
1: Allow, allowing myself to just take myself to dinner or something like that. Yeah. Like just getting out of the house. Don't need to go with anybody. I'm just going to go, I'm going to catch a ball game. I'm going to sit at a bar area, have like a drink or two and just watch a ball game with, have conversations with just the people who show up around you and, Mm -hmm not worry about oh i'm here alone everybody's gonna judge me nobody cares nobody cares it has been it has been it's part of my like weekend routine now sort of just hey i'm gonna go watch sunday night baseball and just have like somebody else is cooking the meal Mm -hmm.
0: i'm just gonna relax and watch this game and just chat with people beautiful yeah fantastic uh next one what is an unusual habit or absurd thing that you love. Well, my fiance thinks this is really weird, but um, sometimes when I'm in our bedroom and I'm about to post some content, I like to um, sit on my knees and lean over the bed and post the content like that instead of like sitting on the actual bed or sitting in a chair going to my desk. So sometimes I just like, I'm like on my knees in the front of our bed and I'm leaned over like my elbows are on the bed and I'm posting the content and then I'm like done. She's like, why do you do it like that? I'm like, I don't know. But like sometimes it feels just like better on my back. And also sometimes I just like, like it. So that's, I don't know if it's a habit, but it's unusual. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what popped into my head immediately. It's a little odd. (laughs) So that is what and it the is. The fact that you you can't
1: justify if if it's because it's better for your back or just because you like it. I kind of just like it. <laughs> okay,
0: and yeah. And a lot of <laughs> a lot of times it's like I'll get home and I was like doing something and it's like I'm about to shower. So sometimes I take off all my clothes and then I do it, <laughs> and then it's like even way funny because. Ree will be in like the office and then she'll like pop in just, like, see "What I'm doing and I'll just like be there naked like <laughs> with my knees on the ground like leaning over my my bed and then she'll be like she'll oh you're about to shower yep yeah <laughs> I'm about to I'll just like <laughs> put some <I'm> done once <laughs> I'm done posting or whatever so yeah, <sighs> there's, yeah there's a little insight there
1: <laughs> that's a little strange I don't know if
0: you can top that.
1: I, I don't think I can. Something absurd that I love. Yeah, I really don't know. I don't know. Maybe being, <laughs> this is going to sound bad. Not, my God, this sounds terrible. Not revealing a lot of information is something that I Mm. kind of enjoy at times. You do enjoy it. And sometimes I do it as, sometimes I do it because I know I'm going to tell people eventually or even like two seconds later, but just to gauge a reaction. And then others, people who I don't know as well, I'll give them a little bit and just see if they continue to ask questions, Mm. see how interested they really are. Yeah. Give them just enough to pull the thread if they want. Right. And then if they choose to, okay, I might give you a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't, it's like you weren't that interested in the answer to begin with. Yeah. I mean, I I don't
0: disagree with that because I, I gauge that when people ask me what I do for work. You know, because uh, like it's, it's easy to say, you know, I'm a coach and I have a podcast and I own a nonprofit. But like there's easy questions for why. Why do yeah. you do those things? There's a lot of jumping off points. You know, and they times. all boil down to like basically one answer. You know, like I started all of it because of my sister, basically not coaching baseball. But I got into baseball because I moved back home because I needed to be closer to my friends. So it all really boils into one thing. And I have to gauge that person. Like, are they really asking me or are they just like... Just being nice. Are they just like me being nice? Yeah. And if and I, I want to answer them if they're still being nice. So I'll just like fall into the baseball thing. Because that's easy to talk about. I love talking about baseball. I play college ball. Now I coach youth kids. It's fucking sweet. You know, whatever. Like, that's easy for me to just wrap around. But I, I'm trying to gauge that person. Like, are they looking around? Are they like really dialed into me? Like, is this someone I just met? Or is it someone like that I I've met previously, but we didn't get a chance to speak. And now like we're actually getting a chance to like, so you like, you, you gauge those questions because, you know, especially for like someone was asked what you do for work. That's also can be a complicated question. Yeah. And something that you might not want to share like off the rip. Like, cause there's like some standard questions that people ask, you know, people always ask, how are you? And that's always a, a pass off question, which yeah. I don't like. And then it's like, you know, where do you live or what's your job or do you have any siblings or like, some of these standard questions which for some people can be easy to answer but for us it's like those are a lot of that's a lot that's a lot going on yeah and i'm not going to dismiss anything that i do with like a just like a throwaway comment because i've done that before and and it and i it makes me feel like shit so i feel like i'm not honoring the things i should honor and so i just would rather like steer it in a different direction that's much easier which is like baseball or when I was a professional wrestler, like, yo, I'm just a professional wrestler, which is cool conversation starter. I really enjoyed doing that. Yeah, I'm sure. And I do miss that aspect of it. Uh, but yeah, so so I, I'm with you on that. Yeah, and the I remember
1: taking like a deep look into those like just cue card questions that everybody asked originally and thinking if this is like a truly get to know you, get to know you sort of thing, Why does that matter? Why does that matter? Why does that matter? You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I, those things don't like, where do you live? Where are you from? What, what information do you really gather from somebody answering that? You may get like a better idea
0: of the environment that somebody was raised in. Mm. Maybe, maybe depends on how they actually answer the question. If I go, yeah, I'm from, I'm from Plano. Yeah. But it doesn't tell you anything, but I could say I'm from Plano and I grew up with my mom and dad and my sister and we moved here, um, went from California because we wanted to be around more Jewish people. Cause that was like important for us and our upbringing and like, okay, there's, there's a little substance there yeah. that we can build off of, but not like, okay, you're from Oklahoma. Yeah. <laughs> uh. All right. <laughs> like, you know, but it also depends on how the person answers. You can also gauge that like, Oh, they're, they're good with this conversation. Yeah. It, whenever I get that question,
1: because like I've lived all over, the next one is when they ask you where in Oklahoma and you can tell just by your initial answer that they've never been there. So, right. so I just like, you know, the, like the middle, <laughs> just, throw a dart at the middle and you'll, you'll be pretty close. Do you know where Oklahoma city is? No. Do You know where Norman it? No. Okay, cool.
0: Then, then where are we going then Why, <laughs> why did you ask? Yeah, it's very funny. <clears throat> um, all right, Sam, we're going to finish on this question. Okay. Let's do it. In the last five years, what new belief behavior or habit has most improved your life? New behavior or habit? I mean, I got a laundry list of these.
1: I've got a few that are clicking around the top of my head. I'm trying to think how to word one of them. Um, Meal prepping has helped me out a lot. I am a person who gets caught up and work stuff very easily, and will convince myself not to eat until dinner. Uh, so that that's an issue that meal prepping has, has helped me manage. I won't say I've solved it. I am currently managing. Managing it. is a good word. Um, taking the time to just do nothing at certain points. So, like, if it is like going to watch Sunday Night Baseball, just taking the time away from anything else, being completely separated from where I live, not taking any phone calls, not taking any texts, just enjoying quiet in maybe a not quiet place. Sure. Um, That is one. Getting more consistent, going to the gym, building that into the schedule instead of adding it to short days or yeah, I got like 20 minutes. Let's go do it. Um, making it a, a fixture in the schedule has definitely been helpful. I'm sure I have more, but I think the more that I've done, it gets like work specific and Mm -hmm. we're going to lose people. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean it's it's funny this question is the last 5 years because that's basically how the last 5 years is how I've reorganized the way I think. And so uh I don't have enough time to explain all of it uh but if you're a brand new listener to the pod like check out a bunch of the previous episodes like it it'll get you caught up. But for right now like one is was like learning to utilize my breath in a way that's like helpful not saying that you have to meditate i think meditation is, is awesome but just like being able to use your breath in real-time situations where you feel a little nervous or anxious or stressed or you need to lock yourself back in the present moment or you're about to have a big conversation or a big test like being able to have your breath as a tool to manage yourself in real time not just like breathing, like we all breathe, which is amazing, but like actually being able to use it as your best friend or like a life force or an energy giver or something to get you back into the present moment. So being able to do that was awesome. Uh, Number two is probably giving up porn. That was like a big thing for me. Um, And drinking less. I still drink a little bit, but I didn't drink for a really long time to just like learn how to not do it. So drinking less. And still being able to be comfortable in social environments, you know, because you saw me in college. I just, that's what I did. I drank, was loud, sort of the life of the party, wanted wanted attention. That's why I became a professional wrestler. Uh, And I sort of did that for a while. And then you think about, are you really like a confident person? Can you really have conversations with people without alcohol? I mean, I don't go out to meet random people anymore. I usually go out with people who I already know and friends with but I still wanna be able to be comfortable in that environment, talking to people, not being pressured to drink, but like if I wanna have one, great, or if I might be celebrating like we did a couple nights ago, um, awesome. Yeah. Like, and having a better relationship with it instead of being like to excess or not at all. Mm-hmm. So, so developing that was really important. Um, and then like the culmination of my morning routine, like over the last five years, figuring out exactly what I need to do in the morning to set myself up for a really good day has also been a good uh, improvement in my life in terms of behavior change and and habits like that. Um, And yeah, so, I mean, those, those four are, have been important. And then basically, I mean, I, I've, I've changed the, the texture of my mind, how I think, how I feel, how I act, bringing out what I think was always in me, like this, this kind passionate person who cares about people like bringing that to the forefront and letting that shine over this uh, need for attention and approval from other people, which I never got in high school and I wanted in college and got, and then definitely wanted as a professional wrestler. Um, but now I get it through like the podcast and, and public speaking and stuff, but it, it doesn't, it feels neutral now because it's not what I'm, what I'm after. And so bringing those more qualities to the forefront also has been um, a great change. Yeah, and then what you said based on your quote, like realizing the fragility of life, that's definitely something that I've thought about a lot And trying to be with the people that I love the most as often as possible, even though some of those people don't live near me. I'm trying to figure that out no matter what, basically. Yeah. And trying to keep people together and say how much that we mean to each other and celebrate mm-hmm. moments and be around for the big things and the small things and the things in between and uh, all of that stuff. So yeah, I would say that. Yeah, that is, that is a lot over the course of five years. Yeah. Any uh, final comments, questions, concerns, anecdotes, funny stories, Sam, on your fourth episode of the pod?
1: No, just happy to be here. Happy to, happy to be back. Happy to do this thing again under a new, under a new banner. Yeah, and now we're fully open and honest
0: about what your actual name is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean this will be the name forever. So when we do episode a thousand, this will be it, because it was not very fun to change all of the names. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. But good thing I had a read in my corner to help with all the graphics and websites and. And stuff like that, and for her to motivate me and support me through it, because it was I was scared about changing the name. What was the what was the fear of it? The fear was that um, nobody knows who Aaron is. People only listen to the show because it's Jackson Stone. Yeah, and what if it people? I don't know. That's the fear. I was like, what if it all goes to shit?
1: I fe- I mean, I could understand if you had aligned the name change to like the topic transition that you have. Mm -hmm. I could see there being some fear that the audience wouldn't come with you. Right. But I feel like you'd already kind of made that transition into talking more about this stuff. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's definitely true. That's definitely true. So I think that was helpful. And I was already starting to say, AKA Aaron, but it's just like, still, I was that thing for so long. Yeah. But now I'm this thing and it's awesome. And I feel very free and happy and lucky and blessed and great thanks sam i love you man thank you love you too brother until next time coming for you joel thank you for tuning in to that episode with sam pack what idea stood out to you the most what question Could you ask yourself right now to further understand you and your journey? And if you enjoyed that episode, please share it with a friend. Because the podcast grows from people like you sharing it with people like you. And don't forget to leave us a rating or review on Spotify, Apple, or even on Good Pods. But the absolute best way to support this podcast is through Patreon. Patreon.com slash Aaron Mashbits directly supports me, this podcast, and my mental health nonprofit, You Are Loved. So click the link in the show notes, scroll through all the tiers, and see what option might work best for you. Thank you. But most importantly, most importantly, above all else, please, please take good care of yourselves and others. And I'll see you next time. Lots of love. Cheers.